Coming up this week on S4C, we have got the last Muyascoria of the series. Wednesday night, 6.30 on Espedorec, S4C. We've had, uh, we've had a good run, 20 episodes. Good, solid series, loads of fun, different things. All to do with football. Hopefully there'll be another series coming up next season. So tune in, 6.30 on S4C for Moya Scorio. It's myself and Malks on the on the sofa this week, joining Dylan Ebenezer, looking back on the season. Yes, what else have we got? We've got a little bit of rugby this weekend. Saturday, 26th of May, 5.40. Leinster against the Scarlets in the final of the Guinness Pro 14. So tune into that. No more football, is there? Apart from the Champions League. Watch the rugby, 5.40, before tuning in to the Champions League. Enjoy. Welcome back to the Longman's Football World. Got a good one this week. Huge member of the Wales Senior Squad's staff and beyond. It's got all sorts to do. With the Welsh FA coaching setup, the young boys working them through, hopefully with an end goal of getting them into the senior squad, where uh, he's played a big part in the coaching staff over the last few years. It is, of course, Oshan Roberts, and uh, it was good to it was good to sit down with Osh, have a good chat in English, which is uh, a little bit different for the two of us, but it was good. Uh, Osh, uh, I grew up actually in the same street as as Oshan, knew my old man. Uh, he was part of the staff at Porth Madog, where I went as a 15-year-old to, to get my first taste of senior football. And uh, obviously he's worked his way up all the way through the system. And uh, yeah, he's got a big role to play. So it was good to catch up with him, all sorts of different views. Um, talking about the, the, the current setup and the Ryan Giggs, how he first got into it with the late Gary Speed, uh, who's... A good friend of Osh's, and obviously his passing uh, is another topic that we that we touched on. And um, yeah, Osh's experience of that of that traumatic time, um, and all sorts of other things. The coaching convention that's that's just been this past week, huge part of uh, of the successful coaching setup, getting the licenses here in Wales. So let's not mess about any any longer than I need to. Let's get into the chat. This is Oshan Roberts. Enjoy. He likes to tell you if anyone will listen about his seven caps, his chocolate knees, his distinct lack of pace. Now it's a long shot. And the long man's football world. He's the long man. He's the 
Oshan Roberts, here we are in the Celtic Manor, beautiful surrounding. How's things? Very well, thank you. Very busy. Uh, just finished a three-day camp with uh, the young boys, the, the, the first team at, uh, at the Vale and straight here to the, to the Celtic Manor. Looking forward to our annual National Coaching Conference. So tell, tell, tell me more, to, to start it off, the, the three-day convention. What's that all about? I, I, you know, it's to do with the coaches, up-and-coming coaches, coaches who are now in jobs. They, they, they come every year to have a look at the, the stars of the footballing world, yeah? That's a big part of it. I mean, obviously, uh, I, I always get excited at this time of year. It becomes a, one of the busiest periods of the season for us at the end of the season because it's the window where coaches are most available, if you like, away from the, the silly season, the, the busy part of the, of the year during the, during the season. And uh, it's an opportunity to run our coach education courses and uh, this particular national coaching conference is where all our coaches who currently hold an UEFA B, A or Pro license have the opportunity to come in and revalidate to retain their current qualification. Um, so uh, some of these guys coming back will be coming back since the 90s, you know, and it's always great to see familiar faces, old friends um, that, you know, I, I took my uh, qualifications with many years ago. And of course, the young ones that are just starting on their career. So it's a wonderful time for Welsh football coaches to, uh, to come together. We'll probably have about 400 coaches here from around Wales and further afar uh, from many other countries around the globe. Uh, coming back to, to revalidate. And at the same time, what we've tried to do over a number of years is create this coaching culture where people not only feel that they need to revalidate, but also want to come back and continue their education, continue their development, and uh, hopefully absorb some new ideas. And part, you know, the beauty of these, the, the courses, the conventions, or part of the beauty is that, that you have such a mixed bag in terms of the coaches, uh, the, the level that they work at, uh, the, the careers maybe playing-wise, you, you get a bit of that glitz and glamour coming in. Uh, and, it, and it's nice for these guys to all mix in together, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it reflects all our courses, really, uh, which, as you say, has that mixture of people that have had spectacular careers. Thank you. Yeah, exactly. There's there's you, O's, and then there's there's others that have been, you know, maybe journeymen, but having had good, good solid careers. Others that have had a, you know, a, a good career in the amateur game. Others perhaps who never played the game to to any level, uh, but are good coaches. Um, so it's a mixture of backgrounds, um, and everybody blends in well, and it's an opportunity to listen, and see, and ask questions. Um, of uh, the, the guys that will be presenting uh, practically and theoretically and uh, probably as important as anything else is that opportunity to see everybody else within the football family and that opportunity to network again because you, you'll know that it's a very difficult industry um, to get a foothold in as soon as you're in a job you're out of a job these days it seems like 
So it's an opportunity for people to network and on several occasions I've seen many major moves being made in this conference where people have uh, been able to get attractive jobs on the back of either presenting at the conference or by, uh, by networking. We were talking before, before we uh, started recording, is there a case, is there a pressure on you guys to try and beat last year all the time? You know, where, where are you going to end up in terms of getting big names on Riviera, Desai over the years? Or is it just the case, actually, take a step back and think what we're doing is, is, is very, very good? Um, or do you always have one eye on, on topping every year? You always want to improve on what you do. I mean, I'm hoping the day that, you know, I, I sort of look at it and think there's nothing else we can do. That's probably the day that, you know, it's time to pass that on to somebody else. Um, so that desire to improve year on year uh, still exists. Um, and at the same time, no doubt, there have been times, I'll be honest with you, where you think, how can we top that? Yeah. You know, but then, you know, whether it's uh, someone on my team or something that you see elsewhere, you think that's something that we can add. You know, the technology side will improve this year. Um, and uh, yeah, we're always looking to add. There's small details, little things. Uh, but what's quite rewarding is that if somebody's missed three years, it's those really that see a difference because they see a difference from three years ago, not from 12 months ago. Yeah. So, uh, and the feedback, you know, we've had has been, you know, excellent um, in terms of what we do. But when we talk about, you know, the big guys like uh, Vieira, Henri, Desai, etc., that's great, you know, but it means nothing if there's no relevance to the game in Wales. You know, and that's all that matters to me yeah. is that it develops the game in Wales and secondly, develops Welsh coaches either working in Wales or outside of Wales. That's all that matters. So, you know, as nice as it is, and, you know, I'm really proud of those type of um, special people um, that have done their education in Wales and continue to come back and give something back to such a small nation in many ways. Um, you know, the bottom line is it has to be relevant to uh, to our coaches. So, for example, if somebody wants to get on one of the coaching courses or on, onto the ladder, pro, A licence, B licence, and they come in and have an interview or, or whatever it may be, and they claim, I want to get on the course as a stepping stone to get here because I want to work in League One or Championship level, uh, and they almost dismiss the, the Welsh system, that's, that's not going to go down well. Well, we're open to, um, to, to help everybody, of course. But our, our, our main business is to develop the game in Wales and to develop Welsh coaches. Now, we can't then determine or control where those Welsh coaches are going to work. We want them to work in Wales and improve the game in Wales at all levels. But at the same time, we want Welsh coaches as ambassadors out in the MLS, like Carl Robinson and Rob Earnshaw now has gone to Fresno, etc., etc. We want those coaches out in the MLS. We want then Welsh coaches out in other in other countries to to develop. You know, I always have looked at the Dutch in terms of however, where whichever country you go to, it was the same when I was in the States. There were Dutch coaches everywhere. You know, because they have this reputation of being excellent coaches. Now, having worked with quite a few, having um, uh, seen quite a few, 
work, etc., etc. You know, I would put our Welsh coaches on a par. But, you know, sometimes we've been a little bit insular here in Wales or in the UK. And I want that brand of Welsh coaches to be global, to be international. We want more coaches getting more experiences. You know, and then, you know, if you look at somebody like Carl Robinson, having a great um, experience out in the MLS, doing extremely well. Um, and it doesn't mean that he has to come back to the Premier League or the Championship to prove himself. He's proven himself already, you know, at a, at a very good level. Um, and we want more Welsh coaches doing that, getting that type of experience. And uh, that means when we have uh, the opportunity of employing uh, the next uh, manager of Wales and the one after that and the one after that, that we've got this, you know, large group of top quality managers uh, that are Welsh, that are eligible and are, and are available for that role. Because there's a, there's a strange um, perception in the UK, I think, for the, for the league, you know, for the British leagues, if you like, that the be-all and end-all of football is here. And, you know, if I had my time again and an opportunity came to, to play abroad, different experiences, I would, I would take it no problem whatsoever. Yeah. But once you're in it, you're almost stuck to it and you think this, this is all that matters, aren't you? It's incredible, really. I was fortunate, you know, my blinkers came off when I was 18 years of age and, you know, was the first one from Wales to, to go on the soccer scholarship to the States. Um, and that opened my eyes, you know, and uh, the, the, to not only to the game over there, which everybody thought was, you know, third rate at the time, and which it wasn't. Do. And still do, still probably, do. Yeah. But I remember, I think it was 82, that Gary Lineker, John Barnes and the whole England team went out to the States and got beat 2-0 and it was front page news. Yeah. You know, the, the, and it was no surprise in the States because of the, the, the work that he'd done to get there. Now, you know, getting to the quarterfinals of a World Cup is not a surprise for America anymore. Yeah. You know, so, um, but yeah, we, we, we have been guilty of being insular here. Um, I think now it's different, of course, because you're exposed to all the big leagues, all your, you know, on on uh, on television and so on. So there's no excuse really to think. But you know, yeah, sometimes there's that element of the Premier League is the best league, etc., etc. Um, and there's there's arguments for it in some ways for sure. But um, you know, I think yeah, we we need to educate ourselves. Uh, we we do when the World Cup comes round, yeah. and then we soon forget again when the first round of fixtures come for the Premier League. But now it's important to take those blinkers off and um, and realise, you know, that I mean, we'll we're gonna get it next week. We've been analysing Mexico, you know, and we're gonna face that that problem. And you you look at their players, and the majority play in Mexico, yeah. you know, and you think Mexican league, what's that like? You know, the, you know, top players top team that we're going to be playing the against. The footage you've watched tells you that <laughs> it's not a bad league. I'm telling you, they've got top players. Mm. But they stay in that league because, you know, financially, they're on good deals okay. out there. They don't need to come to the to the Premier League to make the, the same amount of money. So, you know, yeah, there are, there are wonderful players in uh, wonderful leagues out there. And sometimes we do get brainwashed a bit. The, the job you're in now, Osh, with the FAW, was there a conscious decision when we're taking these coaching courses into consideration 
I don't want to do a disservice to, to previous years and, and, and things like that, but the, the FAW coaching badges were almost seen as a bit of a soft touch in years gone by in terms of it might be a, might be a session on the, on the beer. Get the, get the license in, get the sessions in. Whereas that, that has changed now. There's probably other countries that people go to, to to get that license double quick, if you like. Was that something that you were very aware of? Well, what I wanted to make sure, I mean, obviously, you know, coaching has become a profession. You know, qualifications now are mandatory. So there's a responsibility to make sure, you know, and there's still no guarantee of success, uh, regardless of the process. But you want to give everybody the best possible opportunity of being successful. It's such a difficult industry, you know, and over 50% of managers who fail in their first job never get a second chance. Um, so you want to give these young people that aspire to have you know, managerial careers, you want to give them the best possible opportunity. And to do that, you've got to do things right. You know, preparation's got to be right. You've got to give them the right education, the right support. And, um, you know, it's the world we live in, I suppose. It, it just reflects society in, 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 in the main. Um, albeit that those we all look upon fondly those days in Aberystwyth, where the courses used to take place and everybody's got great stories. And no doubt over this weekend, several stories from the, yeah. from those uh, years will be, will be mentioned. And, uh, you know, they were great days. Um, but it just went with football culture then as well. Exactly. And Players society the top level, in yeah. general, you know. And these days, you know, we wouldn't get away with that and we wouldn't want to. I mean, we've got to, we, we take our uh, responsibility seriously to make sure that we try and help each individual to be the best they can be and, and support them the best we can. And, you know, hopefully, you know, they can realise their potential. It's the same as developing players. You know, you want to try and give them the best support mechanism you possibly can. And then uh, hopefully, you know, they, they get the rewards. And, the, you know, to, to finish off with this convention, the biggest part of it, the most important, I didn't even realise that it was on until yesterday, the golf. Yes, there's a golf day. And you're not invited. Well, I've got myself on there somehow. Have last you? minute. Oh, so, well done. Well um, done. I think I'm playing with Ian Rush. What do, you know, what do you know about him and his swing? He'll be here in a minute. I'll have a word with him. <laughs> if I can keep him up late, then you've got a oh. chance. <laughs> I think he's my partner. Rush, get into bed. Get into bed early. <laughs> no, I mean, Ian's been great for Welsh football. You know, I was passionate when I came in as technical director, and Ian came in as elite performance director and still works closely with myself um, developing the first generation of international players if you like and I've the last 11 years working with him has been a real joy and I remember a long time ago it was the Wales Italy game at the Millennium Stadium John Charles came on the pitch yeah obviously and in tears and we spoke then and I just felt that you know we've been poor at celebrating our legends you know and almost we wait until they've sadly passed away before we begin to recognize them yeah and i was just determined to make sure that that wasn't the case moving forward and with ian we've been fortunate that you know he's been so passionate about welsh football at all levels grassroots you know with the young players and so on coming through or the support he's given me personally and uh, welsh football has been fantastic and it's I think you know we've done the right thing there by making sure that people like him but Ian especially 
um, a true legend of the game that is now giving something back to the game and being involved at that level. And we, you know, it's you important. We, and we, and it's important we don't leave it too late with these type of people that we've got. We're a small nation, you know. We can't we can't use uh, together stronger as a strapline just begin for the Euros and that's it. <clears throat> you know, we've got to live and breathe that in our values on a day to day basis. And you know, I think that's a good example of you know doing things right and on several occasions when we play other nations they look and you know and and look on in envy really of of how we how we do that so i'm especially proud of the fact that ian has been you know part and parcel of what we've been doing over the last decade if you pay me a retainer ash tomorrow i think we've got a tough job in getting rushy's confidence up mo salah's did he take his record most Not goals yet, in the season. No, well, in a thirty-eight game or something, in it. Bale, Bale's you know. smashed his record know, internationally. His confidence must be. He's delighted that these players are taking. <laughs> you know, he's he's wishing them all the best in front of the camera. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, he'll be here with us this weekend. Obviously, playing the golf with you. He's doing a Q and A with us on uh, Saturday morning. No, no doubt the question about Salah will come up. Yeah. And then uh, he'll be with us presenting this year's the 2002 boys, uh, that generation of boys. They'll be coming in on Saturday and presenting them with their caps. Great day for them and their families. Um, you know, what else can you ask for? So to be honest with you, I'm not bothered how he does in the golf, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm looking forward to him uh, being here with us on Saturday. You've touched on the Mexico game and touched on the fact you've just been in the three-day camp, but with the younger players, yeah? Yeah, um, mostly. When did you when did you put that plan together? The, I assume yourself, Ryan, Albert, Stuvenberg. Yes, yeah, there you go. You. Well done. The three of you would have come <laughs> up with a with a plan. End of season. Some of the lads would have had a couple of weeks. End of the championship. Get these boys in. Have a good look at them. Yeah, it's always a difficult time of the year, but you know things have changed, as you know. You know from your playing time is always a difficult period, and people want to be away and get that break, and right, rightfully so. You know, but we used to say even in those days when you were in the squads that, you know, that's coming to an end now because it's competitive games. Next June, we'll have two competitive games in June. So, you know, it's something uh, players are growing accustomed to. Um, and I've dealt with it very well, really. But yeah, Ryan was keen to see some of the players that Rob Page has got in the 21s. Because you'll know them, won't you, Osh? It's just that he wouldn't have had yeah. a proper look first Yeah, absolutely. And even for myself, you know, I'll know them, but, you know, I'm not monitoring those boys on a... It's Rob Page, Paul Bowden, Rob Edwards now that's, that's in with us with the intermediate squads. They'll have a hands-on. And so even though I'll know 90, 95% of them, you know, I don't... I haven't got, you know, the, the finger on the pulse with all of them. So actually it was good for me. To, um, to to see those boys as well. Um, but yeah, we had a really good camp. Um, great opportunity for the boys to come in and, and impress Ryan, you know, and uh, we had 18 players and there was a top-up for some players ready for for the Mexico camp. And as, as we say, uh, an opportunity for, the, for others uh, uh, to come into camp, have a feel about what it what it feels like you know we've been doing this for a while uh, not in this type of uh, setting we've done it in the past with with Chris Chris was the same in terms of you know we used to bring players such as Ethan Ampadu Tom Lockyer 
Joe Walsh, these type of players, you know, who weren't actually in the 23, but we'd bring them in, uh, and the younger players in particular, in as the as one, two, three extra yeah. bodies, if you like. But the main reason was to get them accustomed to to grow into this environment. So when that step comes, you know, it's a it's an easier step for them. So this this camp has been really good. Um, a lot of the boys will go away with Rob Page um, uh, to Croatia. They've got two games, two friendly games out there with the 21s. And uh, so, yeah, it's it's been really positive because Ryan, having been the type of player himself who was in the first team of one of the biggest clubs in the world at age 17, um, he knows that, you know, players, he knows better than anybody when uh, the time is right to... to bring somebody into the squad and into the team. The point about season finishing and then a, a small delay be, be, before meeting up with the international squad must be something that you had to consciously sort out. I think Wales' success over the last few years has changed it somewhat because the players who are regulars will know I'm in that squad. Probably I'd look at it from a, a perspective of guys like myself, more journeymen, with that question mark there is a Wales game, but I haven't been in the squad for, for quite a while now. You know, I'm getting a bit of pressure to book a holiday. Do you just tell them at some point in the season, boys, you might be in the squad, don't book a holiday? Or is it just the case, when they're named in the squad, cancel it? To be fair, Marley Watkins came back from Mauritius two days early yeah. and left his, his girlfriend or his partner um, out there on her own for the last two days. Yeah. You know, that, you know, that gets a big thumbs up in our book, you know. Yeah. Uh, it's just fantastic that, you know, I think we've had that for a while now, that players are passionate about playing for Wales, that desire to want to play for Wales um, and will do anything, you know, that it takes. And Marley, you know, is a, is a great example of that. I'm not so impressed by Chesie. Go you on. know, I've got to say, you know, he's getting married on the weekend that we're playing Mexico, you know. Now, come on. Right, so uh, so Chesie unfortunately won't be with us, and he wouldn't have needed a quiet word to tell him, "Listen, you might be in the squad." Do you know <laughs> what I mean? So uh, so we'll miss Chesie out there, but maybe he deserves a little break. He's been he's been excellent for us, and uh, I remember his first game out in Holland. Well, funnily enough, before you go on mm. about that, that was my last squad, the Holland game. Was it? And I booked a holiday, and yeah. to Ibiza, mm. uh, our family with another family. And I had to send the missus with the two kids all the cases over to Ibiza. And then I just met them day, day three, I think. Did it go down well? Not too well. Not too well. But yeah, Chesney Yeah, they're now game. out in Amsterdam with Joe Allen and the boys, though, didn't you? No, no, no. I was straight to bed. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was Chesney's uh, first cap, you know, playing a centre-back pairing with, with Gabs at the time, Danny Gabadon. That's right, yeah. He's you done know. okay, isn't he, Chesney? Done great. But people forget... You know, the uh, influence people like Gabs had, even in that game, playing against the Robins and the Schneiders of this world, um, you know, that they, you know, to have somebody like Gabs next to him in his first game was key in helping him, you know, find his feet at international level. But he's been fantastic. It was Declan John's first first game at was that it, Was level. it Gabs' last game? Yeah, yeah, I think so. He was brilliant, so. wasn't he? Fantastic, fantastic, yeah, yeah. yeah. Declan John, first game, you know, uh, George Williams came off the bench, um, doing well at St Johnston now, George, you know, but those games were important, you know, and, and uh, that's exactly 
one of the main reasons you see what Chessie's done since. Been absolutely fantastic. So I'm sure he'll have a nice day. What's it been like? Oh, no, no invite then, Osh, to the wedding. No invite. Bloody hell. No invite, no. We'll be in LA. <laughs> <laughs> the new manager, Ryan Giggs. Yeah. I, I saw him do an interview, I think it was yesterday, or from the squad announcement. Yeah. And I sense the difference, you know, that, that confidence. I, I say the word arrogance, but in, as a compliment in terms of talking to the media, looked comfortable in his job. Uh, the messages that were coming across, very different maybe to, to when he first got it and a little bit of apprehension perhaps. Are you, are you sensing that on a, on a day-to-day basis working with him? Yeah, really enjoying it with him. Um, it's nice to see this side of him, if you like. Um, been very impressed um, and uh, even though it's still early days we haven't played a competitive game yet um, you know it's been good it's been good you know obviously new group dynamics that's always interesting um, I've been preaching as a coach educator for over 30 years you know the importance of being adaptable as a coach um, you know that you can't be you, you've got to adapt. We always use, and I spoke to Ryan about it. You know, when Sir Alex first came in at Man United, there were, he had himself and Archie Knox as assistant, and there were four members of staff. When he left, he had 54 members of staff. You know, the art of delegating, you know, the importance of sports science, the analysis side, etc., etc. He embraced all those things and adapted over time. Um, and uh, that demonstrates, you know, what it takes in terms of longevity. So when I preach to coaches or young coaches, aspiring coaches, that over time to stay in the game and to have a career as a coach, you'll need to be adaptable. The game will evolve and circumstances, situations will evolve. You know, I've, I've, got, to, I've got to be able to do that myself, you know, and uh, obviously um, at, at international level, started, as you know, with with uh, Gary Speed, God bless him, and then with Chris, of course, different in, 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 in certain ways, similar in some, different in others. And Ryan, the same now, it's different dynamics, but it's been interesting for me because, again, you know, it's developing that, those skills to be able to adapt and work in a different team um, and find my role within it and so on. And, uh, but I've got to say, the China Cup experience was great. And uh, this camp has been very good. So we're, we're all looking forward to, to this next camp out in LA now. Tough game, but an opportunity to get the boys together for a week. And those, those type of camps are, are essential, you know, not only for the players, because the players, a lot of the players now, of course, know each other so well. But there are others that are gradually coming into it. And there's a gradual transition. You know that this younger generation coming into the into the group, but also more importantly, perhaps for Ryan, Albert, and Tony, Tony Strudwick, to get to know the players as well. He seems like the the kind of person uh, gigs that he's not happy just to come into the squad, and everything that worked in previous years uh, that that he just goes along with it. It's a case of. You know, people have to prove their worth and prove what this means, why this works, to see if, if that's something that he wants as part of his uh, 
the way he wants to manage, if you like. Is, is that, has that been the case? Yeah, of course. You know, he's not coming in and, and it's a major rebuild. Yeah. You know, he's not having to rip everything up because it's not working. But of course, at the same time, you know, it needs to evolve. It needs to improve. You know, it's, uh, that's a constant thing on a daily basis. You know, he knows that better than anybody. Um, and he's also experienced it himself, I think, at club level, by his own admission, where, you know, he's, he's been in, a, in one of the biggest clubs in the world, seen that consistency of approach and gradual development and progress, if you like, but, you know, seen that continuity and the importance of that for so long and seen the success that that can bring. And he's probably seen that being ripped apart you know, over the last few years. You know, not only, you know, what we see, but behind the scenes, etc., at the club. And feels that, you know, there's a lot of good things that were taken away and there was no need to, yeah. just for the sake of change. So I think that's been a good experience for him. And therefore, he's, I think he's being very mindful and careful of, okay, let's look at this, let's, let's evaluate it. You know, let's look at it and see what's working well. Let's keep that. And other things, what are they that we can improve? And I think that's the sensible approach. And um, that's, that's the way it's been going so far. And, you know, I think uh, that bodes well for the future. And you went for the job yourself, Osh. What, what, was, um, what was going through your mind at that, at that period? Passion. As a passionate Welshman, um, I was passionate to make sure that what we had been doing, we'd worked so hard for over seven years to put in place what we had. And that passion to protect that and make sure that the players um, had an opportunity to build on that. I wanted that continuity. Um, so that was the biggest reason. Um, I was fearful of perhaps somebody getting appointed that would rip it up, I want to do it their way, and by all means, they'd be well within their, their right to do that. But we'd worked so hard to get it where we got to, you know, in terms of, and a solid foundation in place. I wanted to protect that, really, as a passionate Welshman. Um, that was probably uh, what, what drove me initially. Um, and, yeah, that's, that's probably it, you know, and, I also didn't want the Welsh supporters to think that I wasn't bothered or didn't want it, you know. There had been, and I was, you know, so appreciative of all the positive comments, positive feedback and so on. And I didn't want to give the impression that I wasn't interested mm. in managing my country. You know, I wanted to send the right message from the heart that, yeah, I'm passionate about Wales doing well in the future and and I I'm, I feel that I can I can lead it I'm in a position best position to know what's happening from within to 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 move things forward and also know from within what I felt needed to happen next so I felt passionate that I you know obviously that I would be able to to do that on those fronts um, and therefore wanted to convey those messages and was, you know, obviously prepared for any um, uh, eventuality. 
but I really wanted to convey those messages um, to the panel and to the to the FAW, you know, the importance of that continuity of building on what we've got in place. Because sometimes they may not be aware of what's taken place. Yeah. And I, I, I look at that as an education piece as well, you know, to make sure that if they didn't know, that they did know, and that that was part of their their thinking and part of their decision-making moving forward. You're used to speaking in front of groups, uh, whether it's on these courses or elsewhere. Was that more nerve-wracking, the presentation in front of the panel, knowing this could lead to you managing your country? No. No, for some strange reason it didn't. Just another presentation? No, it wasn't just another presentation. I mean, you know, but it wasn't nerve-wracking. I just saw it as an opportunity to convey my message, which came from the heart, you know, and um, and wanted to make sure that they were clear that, you know, and I've always probably done that. Listen, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you what I think, and then you decide what you think is the best way forward, you know. And I was prepared, of course. When you go to those type of scenarios, you've got to be hoping for the best and obviously expecting the worst you know you've got to I, I tend to deal with those things uh, very much on an even keel um, but of course be prepared for you know either eventuality it wasn't you know and at the same time I knew that in the football world as we know it if you tend to go for a job the likelihood is that whoever gets the job will see you as a threat and, and that's it and you know I was, and, and, and that's the next question, Osh. Yeah. Uh, you know, sometimes it takes a manager with balls. You don't get it. Ryan Ryan Giggs gets the job. It takes a man with balls to to have a confidence within himself to know. Okay, Osh went for the job. That's fine. I can use, I can use Oshan for my own benefit, and we can we can work as a team. Yeah. Whereas a weaker man, maybe call it weaker. You know, it's it's opinions. Yeah. Might see it as mm, I'm not sure. Yeah. There's a lot of that in the game, isn't there, in our industry. Um, Trust is an important thing, of course, um, and therefore, you know, Ryan and I met several times to make sure it was the right thing for Ryan, the right thing for me, but most importantly, I saw it as what's what's right for Welsh football. You know, um, I didn't want to stay involved just for the sake of staying involved. Yeah, you know, it's a role that I've been extremely proud of doing for over over seven years. So it wasn't as if uh, you know. It was going to be something new, you know, an opportunity, a step up, whatever. I wanted to do it if it was the right thing to do, um, and uh, and and if if it was the right thing for Welsh football, if it was the right thing for Ryan, then I would be one hundred percent into it, you know. But I, I had no intention <coughs> of if I wasn't too sure, if I had a doubt, then you know, I, I'm not the type that would say, well, I'll stay in there. You know, and I'll give 75, 70% of my best to Ryan because, you know, that's no good to Ryan, that's no good to me, but ultimately, it's no good to, to Welsh football. So I've always put Welsh football at the heart of everything and then made decisions based on that, you know. So, um, as I say, we're several discussions and uh, so far, so good. So, yeah, it was, you know, as you say, there's been examples where others have said, well, you know, you've you applied for the job, so, you know, you're not for me. I mean, I went into it, of course, 
eyes wide open, you know, um, um, about what, what, you know, what could happen after that. But I thought, you know, no, it's, it's strange because some six, seven years earlier, of course, when we lost Gary, you remember that the players came out uh, vocally and publicly and said, we want Raymond and Osh to carry on with the team. Mm. You know, we don't want another manager sort of a thing. And, uh, and at the time, you know, I, I didn't feel it was the right thing. Yeah. And I, I, I wasn't, you know, interested at that time because, you know, it wouldn't have been the right thing to do anyway. Um, uh, so, yeah, it can be. And at the time, of course, Chris then came in and, uh, you know, the first thing he said to me is, if you're good enough for Gary, you're good enough for me. Yeah. So, you know, I'd be fortunate, I suppose. And it's strange also, every time there's been a change in the, in, on, the, on the managerial side with Wales, there's yet to be one because there's a crisis yeah. since I've been involved. So they've all been uh, quite different in that, that way. You know, we were well on an upward curve when we tragically lost Gary. You know, we didn't qualify for the World Cup, of course, this last time um, with Chris, but we were still on that upward curve. We were competitive, went to the last game, just been to a tournament, you know, and certainly no crisis in, in, in sight. So, you know, there wasn't a great deal wrong. So, and that rarely happens in football these days when changes are made at, at those stages. So, yeah, interesting. So to be good enough for Gary, in Chris Coleman's words, how did that come about? Was was Gary part of um, Gary Speed on the coaching courses and, and yeah. just you you were always on that same wavelength or did he then get the job and, and then you began discussions? Combination of things really. Obviously he'd started his coach education, done his A license with us while he was still playing at Bolton at the time, and uh, yeah we uh, we you know worked together on the courses. You know he'd obviously um, see me leading on those and then. Uh, as manager of the under 16s, whilst he was at Sheffield United mostly, um, I used to invite him in to do sessions with the with the kids. No, and I, I've always done it. I always will do it. Bring in ex internationals uh, to work with the younger players. Um, there's no better inspiration for the younger players and seeing these players that have been there and done it, you know, and and them showing an interest and you know pulling everything together. So Gary used to come down from Sheffield, do some sessions with our under-16s, and then, uh, and then he he probably got a great insight into what we were doing at those levels um, through those camps. And I remember very early on, it was the Welsh Cup final at Llanelli in his first year as manager, and he came in and presented the players and spoke to the parents and said, "I want to do with the first team what Osh is doing with the under-16s." So a lot of the things we were already doing, he wanted to implement all the way through. So, yeah, we'd, we'd probably worked together, spoken quite a bit about, you know, the ethos and what we were trying to put in place. And he was, you know, that final piece of the jigsaw that we needed at that level to, you know, pull everything together in the same philosophy, same approach. Um, and then we've been able to build on that, you know, brick by brick since then. What do you remember of of the time where, where uh, Gary took his own life, you, you were very close to him. I, I'd been involved in a handful of squads, yeah. and I remember I was, I was injured at the time, playing for Inverness, I'd been down to Norwich for a night out, 
And I remember just getting to Luton Airport, getting a phone call, or, or a text, I think, of somebody I played with. You're doing a rehab in Norwich. That's what you're doing. Yes, right? I was doing okay. my rehab in Norwich. <laughs> uh, proprioception work after a night on the beer uh, for my balance. And getting a text, is it true uh, about Gary Speed? And my response, no idea, checked. It was obviously true. Um, like, it, it hit me hard, having only known him in a, in a handful of squads. And throughout my rehab, it was... A, a strange thing every run I had to do as part of rehab because it was fresh he was in my mind so every mm. almost every step you take on these hard runs mm. it was like not that I was doing it for, for Gary but he was there like as a bit of an inspiration you know what, 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 what's your memories of that time? Well the first thing I remember is I was out in Qatar doing a, um, a coaching um, programme for their coaches so I was out there so I didn't get all the, and I was um, doing a symposium while it, um, the news broke and all of that. I remember coming back to my hotel room where I'd left my mobile phone and I had so many messages and missed calls from Lynn, my, my wife and, and others and stuff like that and I hadn't heard anything of course. Um, so that was the first thing and then speaking to Lynn saying well, I don't know exactly you know but this has come through and, you know and so I was you know thousands of miles away from it really which was was very lonely at the time and uh, found it difficult to uh, to obviously understand or come to terms or you know just must be a car accident or whatever you know so very little information coming through um, until of course you know we all um, heard the the tragic news but you know yeah devastated and it you affected know. you for a little while, Osh. Oh, yeah, still. Still. I've still got his uh, mobile number on my phone. Yeah, it's... Uh, can't can't get to that stage where you delete that number. Still still there. And, you know, we as men, you know, we're, we're terrible at opening up, aren't we, and talking yeah. about things. And even though, you know, and, and obviously mental health issues are, are, are vitally important for all of us. And unfortunately... You know, I'm uh, not the best at um, practicing what I preach in terms of that. Um, and therefore, just from personality trait, you try and de deal with it within. But yeah, that's, that's probably one of the worst things I've ever been able to, to deal with, you know, mentally. And, and probably still haven't come to terms with it, if I'm honest. I've, I've, still, I've still got his number in my phone as well. Yeah. I remember one phone call that I had off him that, that injury I was talking about I had just yeah. had surgery um, and he phoned me while I was in the hospital right. so I'd been involved got a couple of caps yeah. playing in Scotland and Northern Ireland yeah. I was in a squad against Australia I think yeah. at the beginning well, of the following you. season he liked you um, so I, I, I knew my place as a, as a squad member whether it was well you were unlucky as well but you know if nobody ever told you then it's a fact that you know he had um he, he had um, high hopes for you and had a place in that team, not in the squad for you. Um, if you would have been fit for long enough and yeah. stuff, it was, um, there was that role that um, you, know, you were in pole position for and we were hoping that you were going to be the, the longer term solution for. And that's, that's for sure. You know, I remember talking to him prior and saying because he didn't know of you, sort of a thing and said, you know, what I would say about, you know, what I thought 
you know, your performances then um, merited him agreeing, you know, and we were very much on that on that path. So yeah, he had high hopes for you, and you know, thought the world of you in that position. Because that squad, that squad, that team, there was question marks. Joe Allen hadn't quite broke through completely yeah, that's yet. Right. Crofty yeah. took the role. Yeah, um, he did. Yeah. But 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 the phone call. I was on my hospital bed, and I remember it. Yeah. And he'd heard that I was injured. Yeah. And asked me what was what was up, what the problem was, explained. Mm. And I, I promise you, I could hear the disappointment in, in his voice. Oh, yeah. And, you know, it, that's a, that's a great memory for me to have. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. It means a lot, you know, but... Yeah, um, yeah, well, yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, I'm telling you, you know, I've, uh, we had many conversations, but that, that was certainly the plan, you know, and, you know, it's just, uh, it's a shame, you know, but sometimes things don't, don't go to plan in life, do they? No. You know? No, they don't. No. For you, Osh, a man within the Welsh squad, Gary Speed, Chris Coleman, now Ryan Giggs, went for the job yourself. You've come a long way since managing, coaching in, in the Welsh Premier League, but they must be good memories for you as well. Absolutely. Time of my life in Port Maddock. You know, you, you were there as a 15-year-old yourself, you know. Um, I, I loved it. The people there who were still there, mm. You know, just a great uh, club, great people, and I really did enjoy it. And it and it was a great foundation for me. I remember the day '99 that Viv, Viv Williams, who was player manager, just taken over at Port, asked me if I'd go and help him. Viv, and another lad who played for Wrexham, Medwin Evans, both of them were running my Anglesey under 11s at the time. I was the football development officer, and I said, "Will you come and help me at Port?" I said, "Okay, yeah, I'd love to." So, you know, two nights a week training, playing on the Saturday in the old Cymru Alliance initially until we won the treble and got up to the Welsh Prem. Um, but, you know, great pitch, great scenery, uh, great support, um, you know, some, and as I say, great people. And in that team, you know, we had a policy that everybody had to be from Anglesey and Gwynedd. Okay. And there was only one exception, which was... When we went in there, we inherited, uh, obviously, a group of players, and the captain was a lad called Lee Webber, centre-back, uh, from the Wirral, yeah. you know, and we wanted to... My, my thing was that I'm only interested in coming to Port or anywhere else if I'm going to be able to coach the players. If I'm not coaching them, I'm not interested on turning up on a Saturday. That's no good to me, you know, but we... So, therefore, by going Anglesey and Gwynedd, we could train twice a week and everybody could get there. Yeah. You know, we'd train whether it was a port on the, on the pitch or whether we had to train in Carnarvon or Penagroyce in those days, different places, but, you know, central on uh, still in Gwynedd. Um, that was important to me. We didn't want to be training in Chester, etc., etc. You know, it was important um, for the, the, you know, the identity of the club. But Lee was captain. And he never missed a, a session. You know, he travelled from the Wirral to, to Carnarvon to train every session. So it was almost you know, like a test to him. Yeah, if and he it was. Turn up, he never we're, gave we're us rid. an excuse. Yeah. You know, which was great. You know, it was great. It worked for him. It worked for us. And he, you know, I had so much respect for him for, for doing that. But other than that, everybody's there Tuesday and Thursday. So we had players when we started. None of the players had ever been at a professional club. Right. Even at age 10 or 12 or 14, 
you know, there hadn't been as a schoolboy for two years at Wrexham or whatever, no one had been when we started. So you, you had players who had come through the grassroots, you know, and into uh, this team. And, uh, and because of that, we had players who played, who were 100% honest, gave you 100%, turned up every training session and so on, anything you could ask for, you know, and then we just built it from there. You know, we, I just really enjoyed it. Not dissimilar to our group with Wales now that, you know, 100% in terms of honesty and what they give you, um, team spirit, camaraderie, all those things, you know you're going to get that every game and everything else then comes from that, you know. So in terms of an identity, not dissimilar. But I used to, I loved those seven years at, at Port and it was great education and I, I tell coaches now and hopefully it's an inspiration for them. I say to them that those sessions were the hardest to prepare because on a Tuesday and a Thursday you've only got two windows two opportunities and in those you've got to hit the technical, the tactical, the physical, the psychological and the social. You've got to get all five. We just wanted to get five aside. Exactly, yeah, yeah, exactly. They just wanted that's true. Some did. Some did. But you from our viewpoint, in order to prepare the team, etc., we wanted to hit those five things. Because if you miss them, you don't get a second chance. You haven't got them tomorrow. Yeah. In a club environment, you know, you've got them from nine till two every day. You can do a little bit of this, then we can go in and do a little bit of a social thing, or we can do something on a psychological thing and so on. We had to make sure it was all integrated in two sessions. And that actually, when you talk about international football, is very similar because it's it's you know limited windows of opportunities sort of thing. So, and then I had a year at Rill uh, where it was the complete opposite. <coughs> Peter Parry, the owner, says to me, "Whatever you need, just get the players in, get what you need, so that you win the league." You know. So then I was able. All of a sudden, we're Barcelona. You know, I can get the best players now. So my approach was totally different. So I've managed this team where we've got less resources, you know, bottom two, bottom three budget in an 18 league, uh, 18 team league. And we always finished 10th, yeah. which was the BBC Cup in them days that used to be shown on, a, on, a, on BBC midweek. And the club got, I think, two and a half thousand pounds for getting into it. That was the Champions League. Yeah. So getting in that top 10 every year, we never finished lower than 10th in an 18 a team league. And as I say, bottom budget, you know, so and kept it local, all Anglesey and Gwyneth, the players. And then uh, in real, then I could get the best players. I signed Neil Roberts, who had gone for half a million two or three years earlier, brought Matty Williams into the league, brought Greg Strong into the league. Gareth Owen was player of the year, broke all the records. You know, TNS had been dominating. Llanelli had just won the league, played Llanelli second game of the season at Rill and uh, beat the champions 5-1 all of a sudden a new level for the league etc etc so we were now you were playing like Claudio, this open... Claudio Ranieri when Abramovich <laughs> took over yeah. we're just the open and expansive team that I couldn't be with Port <clears throat> yeah. so in terms of you know what you could do it was nearer probably my philosophy but you know you've got to find ways of, of, of winning games so yeah those eight years in the league I absolutely thoroughly enjoyed you know but 
I was fortunate as well. Obviously, I was football development officer. Started in '92. Followed my um, Mike Smith, former national team manager, and Chris Evans, who went to Wolves. Both of them to the academy there. They'd opened this football development scheme on Anglesey. First one in Wales in '88. Uh, they went to Wolves. I came back from the States '92 as a football development officer, coaching. You know, every day, every evening, etc. Loved that role. Uh, with the Anglesey County Council, it was fantastic. But from 93 onwards, I was coaching international football. That's what people forget a little bit, is that you know when James Collins and these boys were getting, I remember James Collins' first game for us around the 16s, he was marking Jermaine Defoe at a little shop, yeah. you know? So it's, uh, it's been a long journey where I was there giving James his first cap, and I was there when he was retiring from international football. That's a long journey. Robert and Sean, these boys that came through at that time, you know, started with me um, in those days. You know, I was assistant then to Jimmy Shoulder from 93 onwards, then managed in the 16s and the 17s, 19s. And I was a couple of months ago, I was trying to think, well, you've been involved for quite a while. How many games? And it's probably around 300 international games now. And that's a lot of international game so it shows uh, that time has flown by yeah. you know from uh, those early years but yeah Port Maddock and Real the same another great football club I, I was lucky with both and the early years just you know to, for you to maybe get that feeling of wanting to coach was America going, going to university in America that must have been an experience because I, I look at doc documentaries now American football and stuff I know football or soccer is different I think there's one on Michigan, uh, the University of, of Michigan. Mm. Like 110,000 oh, fans yeah. watching American football, yeah, university yeah, yeah. level. Yeah. It's a different world. Yeah, yeah. You don't absolutely. get that watching Bangor University. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. We'll be training at UCLA when we go out next week. I had a friend who was captain of UCLA at the time, and uh, uh, the facilities there will be better than any Premiership club. Yeah. You know, I remember when I was at Furman University in South Carolina, one of my uh, mentors was Steve Highway, um, who was out there working for Umbro at the time. So every summer I'd go and live with Steve and the family down in Clearwater in Florida, and he was responsible for coaching for all of Florida. Uh, not a bad state to be living and working in. So in, I, I lived with, um, with Steve for two years, coaching around um, uh, Florida fantastic uh, mentor uh, for me uh, working with him um, but again you know the facilities um, the opportunities to coach etc around the country um, you know yeah just but obviously I had the opportunity as well we had a good basketball program as you say the American football they were doing analysis in the 80s you know, I'm going back to the 80s where I'm looking at the American football team. They're coming in and doing their weights before breakfast. Then they have breakfast. Then they're studying opposition analysis was happening then, you know. So it just got you, it got you, you know, into that sort of mindset, I suppose. And uh, basketball, which I think is very similar uh, to football in many ways in terms of its concepts and principles but you know the 3v2 drills the transition drills and stuff that they were doing you're thinking you could do that in football really and so on you know so those type of sports yeah they were a, an eye-opener for me um, 
But it all started, I suppose, without me realising, when I finished my O-levels, the GCSEs now, uh, three of us, um, me, Darren Baker, who went to Wrexham, played in the first team, um, and Andy Roberts, who came down to Cardiff City at the time. The three of us had just finished our exams, and the PE teacher, a guy called Yayan Griffith, who's uh, sadly not with us anymore, uh, Yay's put us on the old prelim badge, you know, which would be something like the C or the B equivalent now. And we did the course um, with him and Wynne Davis from Carnarvon and Tommy Glynn from Bangor University um, during those weeks where you finished your exams but school hasn't finished before the school holidays. Yeah. And uh, I've still got those notes. So without me really realising it, those uh, seeds had been sown probably from then. But when I went to the States, every summer I stayed out there, only came home for Christmas. Uh, 10 days a year. And in those days, family didn't want to see you, did they? No, exactly. They said, off you go. They wouldn't pay for me to come back. Um, but it was the best thing because I was earning a living by coaching, and working hard, you know, with uh, in camps, etc., etc., and getting mentored by people like Steve Highway, Roy Reese, and so on. And then working with Dutch coaches, German coaches, Brazilian coaches, and so on, seeing different methods. So, yeah, it was a it was the best experience that I that I could have had. To wrap this up, um, you know we've we've discussed going for the Wales job, being part of the setter for a long time, where you've come from. What's what's the future? It's impossible to know, but have you got desires of working within a club environment, or, or are you happy with the role you've got at the moment, and, and you're happy to continue doing that? I've always been happy doing what I've been doing. I never had this plan of what I'm going to do next. You know, I'd, I've never thought that in football, it's especially so, that you're in charge of your own destiny that often. Um, I've been fortunate. I came back in '92 because I wanted to work in in Welsh football. You know, as opposed, I was director of coaching, had to retire with a back injury at age 27. Was player manager in the equivalent of the MLS out there at that time. And I just felt, you know, I could spend my whole career out there, prog careers progressing nicely, but I'm never going to be um, respected or acknowledged back home because, you know, I'm doing it out there and, and nothing back home, you know. So I felt I'm going to go home for a few years. It ended up being much longer than I'd anticipated, um, a lot longer, but... I just wanted to come back into Welsh football and, you know, and gain some respect before going back to the States at that time at a young age. Um, and, and within Welsh football then, when you become a coach, ideally, when I ask coaches now, why do you want to become a coach? The answer I want to hear is, I want to help players develop. That's what I want to hear. It's not always what you get, and people have to be honest, of course, you know, but that's what pulls on my heartstrings yeah. you know because that's what I wanted to do I wanted to help young people help players develop and I want to see them progress and so on and likewise since you know and uh, very early on I became a coach educator it's the same ethos I want to help coaches become better coaches nothing gives me more satisfaction than someone come through the program someone I've supported and mentored and then see them go and do well go yeah. and achieve more than I've achieved you know that for me is is as rewarding as it gets 
You know, I want to see people achieve more than I've achieved. Um, so that helping others has always been ingrained in my, in my way of thinking. Um, in terms of myself, coaching your country is a dream come true. I've been fortunate to do it now at the first team level for eight years and to do it at international level as I say, for many years and about 300 international games. So if it all ended tomorrow, you know, I couldn't have asked for any more. It's been a fantastic journey and experience from that viewpoint. What happens next? Who knows? Who knows and where? I haven't got this plan. Um, I've had opportunities in the past that I haven't felt were right for me. What makes it doubly difficult is that you're walking away from Wales you know, and where as opposed to walking away from a club, I would envisage being easier, you know, but when you're coaching your country, that's a totally different scenario for me. So who knows, you know, it's been, and you know, eight years, eight weeks is a long time yeah. in football these days, let alone eight years. So I'll, yeah, I'll ask you then, Osh, you're talking about uh, the respect thing not having played professionally. How, how did that affect you going in with the first team to start with? You can talk about your nerves or your input initially. Was, was that something you were aware of that these lads are going to question the fact that I haven't played so I've got to go easy? Because I, I saw that transition for you and, and thought you played it quite, quite nicely in terms of not going in full, yeah. full on straight away. It was little bits and pieces, a passing drill here, a passing drill there and then mm. build from there, yeah? Yeah. Absolutely, you know, and, and also I think Gary would have thought, you know, I'd, uh, let's, let's bring that in, um, you know, carefully and one step at a time. Um, and probably my input was more so behind the scenes than, you know, on stage um, uh, initially. Um, so, yeah, just it was built upon, you know, camp by camp. Um, and, and I think that was the best way, sort of thing. But yeah, you, you, you know, it's the same as a player. You know, you go to a new club, et cetera, et cetera. You're going to get tested, et cetera, et cetera. It's, it's the same. That's, that's the environment, you know, and uh, you've got to be strong. Will you doubt yourself? Yes, you always have those elements. And I think that's important, you know, and then you've got to come through them. And when you do come through them, you, you become stronger. If you haven't got any doubts, probably means you're in your comfort zone you know and if you're in your comfort zone that's the most dangerous zone to be in you know so you've got to be prepared to push push yourself come out of that comfort zone the important thing is that from that comfort zone you're not going into that panic zone there's yeah. that one in the middle where you you know you you're you know just expanding those boundaries so yeah i think you know for anybody in that type of situation You've got to be strong. You've got to be uh, uh, open-minded, I think. And, uh, you know, you've got to believe in yourself, of course, whether you're a player or a coach. Um, you need some support around you as well, I suppose. Um, yeah, but, you know, there, there are opportunities, aren't they? You know, you, if, as I say, I go back to my coach-educator role again. How can you say to somebody, you've got to come out of your comfort zone, you know, you've got to push yourself, etc. You've got to look to, you know, um, uh, 
try different things, etc., etc., all those things, and then not practice it yourself, you know. So I think that's that's important. But along the way, you know, it's you uh, you also have to make sure that if you give it everything you've got, if you work as hard as you possibly can, if you plan and prepare, then it comes down, I suppose, to your ability. You know, and if your if your ability means that you know you can you can perform at that level, then it means that you know that's you you can find your level. Everybody finds their level. You know, the thing for us, thing for me was in order to get the trust of players, was that if we're saying you know this is what the the, the opposition analysis, this is what they're going to do, this is what we need to expect. This is how we can deal with it. This, these are solutions to it, etc., etc. If you're way off it, then you'll lose them. You know, if you're there or thereabouts, and if you if you gain their trust and their respect in that way, and they believe in the game plan, the guys have talked for years about. You know, we went out and we executed the game plan. We had a game plan and we stuck to it, etc. That's music to my ears because we spend endless hours. Yeah. Preparing that—that's our job, you know. And if the game plan is way off, that's our fault, you know. But we've got the trust of the players because our game plan has been there, you know, virtually every time. You know, we've, when we come back and review the last game, etc., it's it's nailed on, you know. And and that's probably for us is the is the most important thing. And when you do that on a regular basis, you get the trust and the confidence of the players. One thing that's just come back, come into my mind, a little memory. I don't know if this is something you remember. I don't know if it even registered. Yeah. But my last cap uh, playing against Finland, I was on the bench, and I remember you turning around to me, mm. and I, I misunderstood what you said. I, I don't know if it's this, probably a good thing. Yeah, I don't know if it <laughs> rings a bell. In hindsight, I remember you turned around and kind of said, "Get ready," as in strip off you're coming on now mm. and I assumed it to be get ready as in warm up and then it wasn't until I went down to the touchline and started warming up and I'm looking I think you and Coleman were looking as if what is he doing <laughs> we, want, we want him on now yeah yeah it almost cost me my seventh cap yeah. <laughs> you don't remember exactly. that do you? don't remember quite exactly a lot has that, happened no. since then isn't it <laughs> uh, we're not going to go into the Euros I've heard you talk about them enough I think Osh oh come on let's go back there <laughs> the battery's running out maybe another time but it's been a pleasure uh, spending a bit of time hopefully the coaching convention goes well trip to Mexico everything you've got going on and please get Ian Rush to bed sharpish tonight <laughs> good English by the way Osh polished Diochoar <laughs> Diochoar Job done. Big thank you to Oshan. Always busy, but this week especially. All sorts of things going on with the senior squad. Been training with the young players before cutting the squad and the, preparing the preparing the team to head out to LA for their game against Mexico. Coaching convention obviously going on, so a, a really hectic weekend and week for, for Osh. So thanks again to him for his time. Big thank you to the Celtic Manor for their hospitality. Found a nice little corner. It was a VIP section, it must be said. To have our coffee and a little bit of peace and quiet away from the noise. Um, hopefully you guys enjoyed the conversation. I certainly did. Getting Osh's insight into into well, all sorts of things, really. Um, Osh is definitely a guy who 
he's uh, he's being targeted already by by the long man for another sit down maybe touch on the euros and, and all sorts of other things so thanks to him again thank you guys for listening usual spiel if you enjoyed it leave a review subscribe spread that word for the long man's football world podcast thank you until next time ta-da